0: the bloody elbow podcast network is moving that's right we're moving from soundcloud and youtube to substack it will still be available through your current itunes spotify and stitcher subscriptions but the main home of the bloody elbow podcast network will now be on substack while most of our audio content will remain free We'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. back and thank you for listening to episode 235 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes and I'm joined as always by my amazing co-host Victor Rodriguez. And today we're here to talk a little bit about UFC San Antonio. And of course, we've got some beefy news topics for the end of the podcast. We're actually going to put that in um, the bonus content section because today we're going to look at Some of the dumb things that fighters have said in social media and or interviews this week. And we have had quite a cycle of dumb shit from these guys, okay? And this week, I've only seen comments, dumb dumbass comments from guys this week that really caught my eye. Now, we are not ruling out that the ladies can say some dumb shit too. It's just that this week, it's been dominated by the guys. So, Victor... Before we get going, how is your week?
1: It's uh, spring, which I love, but it's also allergy season, which I don't love, which is why you're hearing me uh, with the sniffles and the um, the, uh, the, the warbly voice. Uh, I was just uh, have to ask that you please, um, you know, bear with me here. Not the listener, though. I don't care about them. They can eat shit. Uh, but no, this is this is fine. I will be fine. I will get over this and, um, you know, just just living the dead life, man. Just glad that we're leaving the remnants of winter behind.
0: Whatever is in the air is going around because our podcast manager, uh, June, is sick. I've been under the weather quite a bit over the last few weeks. You're under the weather. I think it's definitely spring fever is taking hold. But we are going to look at something else that is taking hold, and that is dumbassery. All across social media and interviews this week, we are going to start. With Bryce Mitchell accusing UFC 284 judges of taking, and I quote, oil money. And he claims that Makachev and Volkanovsky's fight was, quote, rigged. Now let me, let me go in here and give you the words that Thug Nasty spoke with James Lynch for The Fanatic's View. And he shared his theories on why the scoring went the way it did. That fight was rigged as fuck, dude. He brings in all that money from the Middle East. When you're bringing in that kind of oil money and all that Middle Eastern money, bro, all the richest people in the world, brother, are all from the Middle East. I guess they just fucking paid the judges too. I don't know. But what I do know is I know Alexander Volkanovsky won a decision. I don't think nothing. I know he won. And I know that shit was rigged. And I'm not fucking stupid. (laughs) You can't Mm -hmm. tell me that shit wasn't rigged. I'm not buying it. You can pay them, judges, whatever the fuck you want to pay them. I know Alexander Volkanovsky won the fight. Victor. Got to get your take on that.
1: You know what the thing with these situations is when you talk to someone who's got conspiracy minded thoughts like this, you got to ask one basic, simple and essential question. Who is they? <laughs> who is they in this scenario? No, I'm dead fucking serious. Who is they? They paid the judge. Who's the, who, who? Who the fuck is they? Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, man. You know what? In full disclosure, I like James Lynch. He seems like a nice guy. You know what I mean? I just I feel bad. I'm hearing this, and I'm like, poor guy, I gotta listen to this. Just sit here and listen to this, and not be able to tell him straight up, like, bro, why are you so fucking dumb? Why are you doing this to to you, to yourself, to everybody? Like this, there's no there's no need for this. You, you, of all fights, an all time classic like that one, an exciting super. And when you talk about rigging fights, right? And we've discussed, we've, we've we've talked, we've gone in depth in, in discussing this. When you talk about a fight being rigged, you don't, have to be, you don't have to pay fighter A or fighter B. It could be a judge. It could be a ref. It could be you know, anybody. It could be the bookers right, to set the thing up in the first place. That's not what's going on here. He's not thinking this far ahead. He's just immediately saying, well, that was a sham because I didn't like the result, which is unfortunately a lot more prevalent these days in, in MMA fandom circles than it should be. And um, you can't really fix that. That's just that's just how he's looking at it. I mean, really, we're we're really going to you want to sit here and argue with a guy who believes that the earth is flat. I know I don't.
0: I am thinking that Bryce Mitchell is as dumb as a box of rocks and you will never convince me otherwise. He has never really said anything smart that wasn't directly linked to grappling. Anything else that he speaks on, I just tune it right the fuck out, because I know that all he's doing is dumbing down my thoughts, so I don't put any stock in anything he says if it's not directly grappling-related. So, we are going to move on to another dumbass fighter quote, this time coming from Jorge Masvidal. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He was recently on the Joe Rogan Experience, and I have caught some clips from that. And man, oh man, Joe Rogan talking about if George Masvidal, excuse me, Jorge Masvidal, was around back when GSP was competing, GSP wouldn't have been champ or something along those lines. Guess what? Jorge Masvidal was competing back then. He made his MMA debut in two thousand and three. So, anyways, back to what Jorge Masvidal had to say. He was talking about Colby Chaos Covington, and he promised that he's going to get back at Colby for all of the things that he perceives that Colby's done wrong to him, probably calling the cops after he sucker punched him at a restaurant, or maybe it's because he beat him in a fair sanctioned fight. I am not sure. Could be because he blabbed about Jorge Masvidal having an affair on his wife. Who knows? But the point is, Jorge Masvidal, game bread, feels like there is a score to settle. And this was his direct quote. I didn't get him that time, referring to the time in the cage. But I promise you, before my career's over, I'm going to fucking murder Colby in the cage legally. Not even law enforcement or the military can actually murder someone and get away with it because murder by definition is illegal. So this whole statement is just as dumb as dumb can be. Victor, got to get your take.
1: So here's my thing, right? He just kind of gave the whole thing right away, didn't he? Mm -hmm. I didn't get him that time, but boy, okay. No, 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 no. He know next time. You understand? You had your shot. You 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 shit the bed. You didn't seem like you did any prep against this guy, even though you trained with him, even though you lived with him, even though you know, as we all do, what this guy's specialty is, what his strengths are, and where they lie. And you couldn't make it happen. And you're still mad. You ran up on him. Un- I mean, it's not a- like the dude was armed or anything. We all we all saw the uh, the photos of what happened afterwards. You ran up on him and got arrested trying to beat him up. You got arrested, you made, he made you look like an idiot. Yeah, sure, he called the cops, okay, sure. But guess what, that's kind of what you're supposed to do in a situation like that. That is a society, all right, that has a level of structure and order, unless he has suddenly become an abolitionist, which I doubt. I don't think that Jorge Masvidal is out here reading the writings of Asada Shakur. I don't think that he's reading Angela Davis or anything of that nature. So no, uh, he had his opportunity. He got mad because he lost. He ran up on him. He got mad because he got arrested. What's he going to do now? What leads him to the belief that he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be able to get another crack at Colby? I mean, maybe if Colby loses, he'll slide down on the rankings and it'll make a lot more sense to do so. But of course, we know that the rankings are not a guarantee for jack shit. Guys can deserve certain things because of the rankings. And we see that they don't always get what they deserve because otherwise, it probably wouldn't be Kobe fighting for the uh, the title next, as Dana declared. It might be someone like Bilal Muhammad, or I don't know anybody who's more deserving than 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 that. Which good luck finding one because Bilal's right at the front. But anyway, point is, he's just looking like an even more sore asshole now. Mm-hmm. It, both of them are looking like big losers the way they've been conducting themselves lately. And I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying, like, man, you guys, you guys were supposed to be better than this. And yet, here we are. Well, maybe not so much Colby, right? Because we don't have high expectations of a guy like him. And that's, that's fair. His character has been what it's been. And there's, there's no real um, getting around that. But what really, you really think that there's any interest in that? You really think that people care, especially the manner in which that fight went down. It was a drubbing. There's no real reason for you to run that. back. Right? There was no way that, that a rematch of that is going to make money. I just don't see it happening. And I know that the UFC doesn't see it happening. They haven't made any overtures to this shit. They don't seem to care. Why should we? And that's really the long and short of it. I mean, this is accomplishing absolutely nothing. What is we doing? Is our children learning? Clearly not, because this is this is not anything that inspires any sort of even even Jorge even versus Leon with the whole two-piece in the soda, three-piece in the soda. Even that altercation backstage, that, that sizzle has faded. People don't have the same kind of interest in that as they would have ages ago. So what are we doing here? And this is a fight that we have already seen. This is a fight that already has taken place. What are we doing? Why is he doing this? Why? Well, clearly, because this is what happens when you reach a level of success. You're not used to people telling you no on a certain level, and you don't realize that maybe, just maybe, there's nothing there. And you are just scratching at something that you will not attain. And that's unfortunate.
0: I I kind of disagree in in that regard. I I think it's about a money grab because let's look at this realistically. Jorge Masvidal has never been a champion other than the, the, the baddest motherfucker, which, come on. Yeah, okay. Further... A lot of these guys fall prey to the trappings of success. We see this a lot with athletes where that they get a lot of money and rather than invest it or save it or bank it whatever, they start living a lavish lifestyle. Have you seen Jorge Masvidal's place? It is insane. How is, does he plan to manage that type of home, high-end luxury home? When he's nearing the end of his career, he's on a three-fight skid. I think that Jorge Masvidal is trying to drum up any excitement for any fight, and this one might still have some kind of sizzle to it because of the proximity of the sucker-punching incident, the proximity of Colby being right back front and center in the news with having been unveiled as the backup fighter and having been unveiled as Dana and the UFC's hopeful challenger for Leon Edwards. So I think this has more to do with a need for money. And let's not forget, I don't know how far into the court case the proceedings are, but he's losing that case that's the mm-hmm. bottom line. That's going to cost him a lot of money. His attorney fees. he I don't even know who's managing him right now since he's had the <laughs> major falling out with the Kawa brothers. But
1: he's, No. What? No. 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 Those guys? But, those are great managers, Steffi. I don't <laughs> like what you're insinuating here.
0: But he's got a lot of things on his plate that require money. And he, let's not forget, he has children with his wife and or slash ex-wife. I'm not sure how that situation has shaken out either. But there are kids involved and there is a wife slash ex-wife, however it goes. So many things on this man's plate that require money. So I don't think it's mo- mostly about the fame. I think it's mostly about the need for, for cold hard cash. That's my take on that, but I do want to give you one tiny little bit of information that supposedly has a root in why the the friendship failed between him and Colby, and it has something to do with Colby having failed to pay his striking coach Paulino Hernandez for training services. So supposedly that was rooted in some of their dispute as well as Colby not keeping his mouth shut about Jorge's business behind his wife's back. There's a whole bunch of incidences that supposedly rolled into this one thing that created this massive beef between the two of them. But it's once again, it's dumb both sides are dumb, but in this instance, Jorge Masvidal really needs to dial back all of his threats and comments, I mean.
1: Yeah, well, the the thing, when you start talking about killing someone in the cage, even if it just means, like, just, I'm going to kill professionally, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to kill, a per- like, that's not, no one tunes in for that. Right. No one is watching for that. That is not what we're here for. And yeah, he did have some points about, like, you know, he didn't like the way that, um, the whole situation with Hernandez. That's true. That is a very scumbag thing to do. Right. But do we know that's true?
0: But do we know that's true? I mean, I haven't seen Paulino come out and say anything. All I know is what Jorge has said. And so, I mean, for all I know, Jorge could just be taking some tiny little snippet of a conversation and turning it into something that benefits his argument because As we all know, people invent facts or expound upon facts to make them benefit their argument.
1: Yeah, and sometimes there are things that could be misconstrued. But if I remember correctly, I think there might have been an interview with one of – I got to check. I I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I'd, I'd have to look into that. I think there was something to corroborate that. And uh, there's also the situation with uh, Liborio. Ricardo Liborio. Oh yeah, I,
0: I do remember that. Now that's something that was, I can that point
1: That was a to. long, that was a different thing. But he talked a lot of shit about mm-hmm. somebody that
0: yeah. a
1: lot of people at ATT loved, mm-hmm. loved, and he aired this man's business for no reason, unprompted. Yeah. And that uh, that was a big sore spot for a lot of folks. So I can, you know, I can see that being another factor here too. But again, you're bringing up well, like we're, he's he's dredging up all this old shit. Right. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have a point to bring it up, but it's more like, guy, that's not helping your case. That's not going to solidify anything here. The drama has been sucked out because you turned in a stinker. And yeah, there's nothing you can do to remedy that. You're not going to wash the taste of that out of anybody's mouth. It's not going to happen.
0: Right. And I think that a lot of this is manufactured drama to drum up some kind of buzz and interest around a fight, a rematch between those two, because in Game Bread's eyes, if he can get enough buzz, then maybe Dana and the boys over there are going to notice this buzz and say, that's the next fight to make no matter what. Because we've not, seen Dana and the guys do silly matches based on beef with no real merit to those matches.
1: I don't. I don't know that. I, like, I, part of me wants to think that maybe Hoda is like that—that that much of a true believer. You know, mm. like I kind of wonder if he—if—if if more of it is motivated in his personal stuff and he's just salty that he lost. Man. I think that's probably the—the. The, I don't know. I mean,
0: he's pragmatic. It, it
1: could be part. You know.
0: He's pragmatic. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. He's very pragmatic that this is manufactured bullshit because money is required. Desperately. Mm. This man's got lawsuits pending against him. He's got children. He's got a failing career. He's got basically a mansion. Mm-mm. This mm. dude needs money. Sure. I think that's what you're saying is a, a, a definitely an element of this absolutely all fighters got big big egos yes sir but i think the main priority drive for this is money
1: i think he should invest in bitcoin oh wait
0: <laughs> wait <laughs> go ahead do it you might yeah. be the one <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe he might he might hit
0: all right our next stupid headline Well, it's not really a stupid headline. It's more about Conor McGregor and his, quote, notorious (laughs) abilities to tweet and delete, but still get caught. This man will never, ever release a tweet that gets deleted that doesn't get screen capped. I feel like there's a whole faction of people that have collectively decided that they're going to be on watch twenty four seven for every single Conor McGregor tweet, and their specific job, their sole job, is just to screen cap all his tweets. That As is, they should.
1: You, when, he when you're never that gets visible, when you're that visible, you're the face essentially of a sport for a lot of people. That's going to happen. You're going to have a lot of eyes, and you got a propensity for saying dumb shit. Man, the internet ain't going to let you live. You know that. Yep. But, you know, some people don't learn.
0: Yep. So here is the tweet that got deleted. Faraz Zahabi is a little douchebag. Trevor oh Whitman is a padman. Javier Mendez is a fat Lickers kickboxer. Mike Brown is a smelly prick. Greg Jackson got caught up. The system of Coach Kavanaugh is now shining through. In years to come, the world will know what we have been at. It's beginning to bear fruit. If you want to train, train at S.V.G. Ireland with Kavanaugh and me. We are a fight factory akin to butter churning. So uh, this, this is fantastic because Ali Abdelaziz decided to jump in there. And say something. And he says, Hey, please, this sounds like you're taking fentanyl, not fentanyl, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. You out of your mind. Firas, Trevor, Javier, Greg Jackson, and Mike Brown, you and your coach cannot even shine their shoes. Your team, alongside 20 UFC fighters, got cut from the UFC because you all suck. What the fuck are you talking about? So, Conor McGregor fires back. Once Mm -hmm. again, deleted. Hey, shit stain on the game. I'm talking as of now. It is beginning to bear fruit. We beat their system of fighting on tough... It's locked down. It's no wonder shitpants scurried. There's no competing now. The head of the style is too fat a bitch and afraid to compete again. So we win. You can't compete with us. Watch and witness, you rat bastard. Ali Abdelaziz He tweets back. And the reason why I'm sharing the whole exchange is because it sounds to me like maybe some spoilers got dropped in this. So let Mm -hmm. me continue. Ali Abdelaziz says, Javier Mendez trained Khabib to beat the shit out of you and took your souls away. Mike Brown trained Dustin Poirier to level you back to back. Trevor is your worst nightmare because you would not even look at Justin. Grow up. He he goes on to tweet one more time, and uh, this is Ali Abdelaziz. He says, the only way you can compete is if you import guys from Dagestan, Brazil, and the U.S., because with your own team, the little shit team you have, you can't compete with no one. But I think if you buy a team, you'll be okay. Leave the drugs alone, you clown. That is the extent of the tweet exchange. But it sounds to me like Connor may have revealed that his team did better than Chandler's. Victor, what do you make of this? And how absolutely ridiculous is Connor with all of his targeted harassment of all the great coaches in the sport? And then putting up John Kavanaugh on a pedestal with a glass of mead. <laughs> This man has got the godly glow behind him, the way Conor McGregor is painting him. Victor, tell me something good. What I hate most about this
1: is that, goddammit, Conor McGregor got me sitting here rooting for Ali Abdelaziz because he was right. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't, I'm not saying that, you know, he's, he's, he's always going to be right, but this isn't even a matter of, like, broken clocks. No, this was precision. Ali was 158% correct. Everything that he said was right. And what I do appreciate also, he brings up the fights that Conor lost. Not everybody he brought up. Dustin is not an Ali client. So it's not exactly, it wasn't completely favoritism uh, towards his guys. It wasn't just highlighting his guys, but he did spit out some hot facts. It is absolutely true that all these other teams have been so well-established, a.k.a., might not have a stable of champions anymore, but they've still got some killers out there. They've got some amazing talent. Maybe Jackson Winklejohn isn't what it once was, but you cannot deny that they've had a large level of success and have impacted the sport. As far as American Top Team and Mike Brown, like, really? You want to shit on that guy? In service of elevating John Kavanaugh, did we not just witness, did we not just talk about, the other day, Makwan Americani? What happens every time we bring up an SPG Ireland guy like Johnny Walker? What happens? We talk about it. We say the same shit. I don't know that I can trust it, man. That team, yeah, they ain't doing so hot right now. There's a reason for that. It's not because we're trying to be mean girls about it. It's not because we're trying to be dicks and and who make fun of the. No, dude, you have a team of dudes that has not been able to gain any traction. The best guys that came out of SBG Ireland have already been in the UFC, and they've already pretty much you know, some of them didn't do so well, like Carl Pendred, you could argue he probably shouldn't have been there, but he won some fights and, you know, fair is fair. He had a small level of success. Patty Houlihan, excellent grappler, didn't really reach the elite level. He had to retire due to medical reasons and good for him because I understand he has his own team now and he's uh, training uh, young men and, and, and women out there and they're doing really well. So he's, he's actually being a plus for the community. Ashling Daly, Probably the best grappler Strongweight had until uh, until she left and until Mackenzie Dern came around and she had to leave for medical reasons. So, you know, it wasn't like they were all, you know, a, a, a team that, you know, just couldn't get anything done. No, they did have some level of success. But listen to how he frames it. I and my team, Kavanaugh and I. Oh, now you're a coach. Now you're a trainer. Really? When John Kavanaugh says in every other interview, oh, well, Connor kind of makes up his own camp. He, uh, he decides what he does and what he doesn't want to do. What are we doing here? This is yet another one of those things. Like, look, I can't prove that this was a Coke rant, but it kind of looked like one. You know what I'm saying? I'm not accusing him of it. But, man, if you told me that it was, eh, I'd be inclined to believe you. It seems very likely. And it's just so unfortunate. Guy, you don't have to do this. And he's doing the same old John Jones bullshit. He'll say something big, and then he thinks he's going to delete it. And no one's going to see it. Oh, nobody cares. Nobody. No, it's not a private conversation, my guy. You put that out there on the timeline and now you got to live with it. And he won't because he won't accept that. He won't accept that he lost. And then fortunately, the worst part is that he lost to this guy. I, I can't imagine a-, a greater humiliation when it comes to online discourse. Like the the whole, it's the meme of, you know, the worst person, you know, making a great point. There it is. There you have it, folks. There's that version for MMA for this week.
0: All right. So our final dumb quote of the week from a fighter the award goes to Colby Covington. Now, in an interview with My MMA News, he gave his thoughts on why Khabib Nurmagomedov left MMA. <laughs> and Oh my goodness, here we go. He never came to 170 because the man is here. <laughs> he doesn't want to fight the man. He knew that the man had a great style for him. The guy that was way more well-rounded could stuff his takedowns, being in his face and punch and putting volume on him and doesn't break under cardio like that's what I do best. I would have walked him down. So him and Makachev need to shut their fucking mouths. They're all talk and no walk like myself. All right, I'm going to weigh in on this first. God damn it. Kobe, shut the fuck up. You are dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. You moron. You so dumb. You so dumb. Oh my god, Victor go. That was my that, that was my amazing, intelligent, witty take. He's a big dumb 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 moron. It's
1: more than he deserves. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm frankly I'm <laughs> I don't I don't think that that's no that that was good actually. I think this is all good and well. Um yeah, let's 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 address this here. I am very fond of the fact that Colby as as dumb as he is. He's at least got the gift of employing some level of sleight of hand. Observe what he's doing here. Look at who he's talking shit about. A guy who's retired mm-hmm. and his protege who is in a white class that he will never fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. Now, Michael was talking about, he might go up to Welter Wade and fight the winner of uh, Leon and Usman and all that. Fine. You know what? I, I mean, you know, let him have that. Let him. Let them keep that. It's 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 fine banter. I think it's a, a also a glimpse into the minds of fighters and that level of determination that we constantly bring up, right? This is how these guys, um, you know, that that same sense of motivation, that same confidence is essential. It is vital for a lot of these guys. And it is, in fact, something that leads to their degrees of success. I don't always think that that's a negative. I mean, there are levels where that that fades. And, you know, you get these guys talking about, oh, I... I could box the Klitschkos and then they get knocked out in the next fight. That's 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 an example of it not paying off. But very clearly, right, very clearly he's sensing that and he's going with this. Why? Because this is the same sixth grade bluster. This is the same kind of banter that that he's capable of bringing out. And that's all he's got. This is who he is. This is all he will ever be when it comes to talking shit. Look at what he did the other day, threatening John Anik. You live in Boca, I live in Miami, motherfucker. Blah, blah blah. Why are you doing this? Why are you going after a commentator? What kind of bully shit is this? Why are you going after lightweights? Why are you threatening these people for the in again in service of fucking what? What are you accomplishing here? And if this is just another thing where you're thinking, well, Vic, you know, he's just he's just doing it to sell tickets. He's just doing it to sell pay per views. Who's buying because of this? This isn't a level of of, of like notoriety like Floyd Mayweather, where people pay to see him get his ass beat. I've seen no evidence of that in the States. And, you know, we're just never going to be free. So get ready to hear more dumb shit like this as we prepare to have him challenge for the welterweight title because it's inevitable, and he is inevitable.
0: Yeah, oh, goddamn. Wow. Why did you say that? That's a nightmare in the making right there.
1: It's I mean, hey, listen, we lucked out with the Usman thing that he didn't go more racist than he did when for him. So, you know, maybe we'll get it this time. Who knows? <laughs>
0: All right, so we are going to start in with our select fight breakdown of UFC San Antonio, right here in San Antonio. Our first fight up Chitty and Chukwani versus Albert Durayev. What a fight! I really like this fight a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the, the dynamicism of Chitty and Jukwani versus that. Wild style of Albert Duraev because they're both kind of wild. I mean, this is definitely going to be a who lands that first bomb first. Duraev also has some good sneaky grappling, though. He has mm-hmm. he has that that secret weapon. But I'm going to take Injukwani because I feel like that that one hitter quitter might just do the do the trick here. So I'm taking Chitty Injukwani. Mookie is also taking him. I got to hear your take.
1: I'm going with Chidi, too. I think that when it comes to the clinch, especially, he's going to be able to carve him up real nice. You know, he's going to be able to get those real hard shots that he likes to uh, dig in at that point. And on top of that, I think he's going to be able to contend with the wrestling and grappling threat. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm this is purely a more of a fan pick than anything else. I'm going with Chidi.
0: Awesome, awesome. Next up, Alex Perez taking on Manel Cop. That's an interesting fight, too. Alex Perez got lots of experience fighting at a higher level than Manel Cop has to date. However, Manel Cop, another dynamo right there, a guy that has insane power, too. I'm, I'm taking Cop, but I could absolutely see Alex Perez shitting in his cake. Mookie is also taking Manel Cop. Victor, how are you seeing this one?
1: Mm. I mean, Alex is very good, and he is a a very experienced guy. Having lo- losses to Benavidez, Figueroa, and uh, Pantoje, that is not a bad thing at Mm-mm. all. Okay, those are those are very good losses to have. And you look at some of the earlier ones that he had: Adam Antolin, who was very good, and Jared Papazian, who I assume probably had a, a, a maybe something of a size advantage, if I'm if I'm remembering things properly. So you know, wins over Formiga. Uh, the the fight against um, Mark De La Rosa, which was very good. Uh, I think that he's got a very good set of skills. I think he's very um, talented and and a very gifted athlete, but I also think that Manel, man, like you look at the fights that this man had in Japan and you look at how he's finally found his footing now that he's uh, sort of established himself a little more in the UFC. I can't pick against him, man. Manel's got that bomb. You know what I'm saying? He's got the funky striking. He's been able to um, out-hustle guys at the wrestling, and I believe he's still working with Extreme Couture. So that means he's got a really good, solid coaching staff behind him. I can't pick against that, man.
0: All right. Next up, featherweight sizzler right here. Nate Landwehr versus Austin Lingo. Austin Lingo is 9-1. and one. Nate Landwehr's got a few more fights on him than uh, – Lingo, he is 16 and 4. Austin Lingo, kind of that up-and-comer. This is probably going to be his biggest test to date, but I can't pick against Nate Landwehr. That man is durable. He can throw. He's got good fight IQ. He can wrestle. I am absolutely taking Nate Landwehr here, and Mookie is as well.
1: Well, guess what? So am I. (laughs)
0: Hey!
1: I like Lingo, but not as, not as, I don't have the same kind of faith in him right now right. that I have in Nate. And that's just that.
0: If he beats Nate, though, I'll definitely give him a second look.
1: Oh, no. He beats, listen, this is a very stiff test. He mm-hmm. wins this fight. Like, there's, there's going to be a lot of heads turning. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, oh, shit. This, this is a guy that we're going to need to pay a lot more attention to.
0: Yeah. This would be a genuine litmus test right here. Mm-hmm. All right. Co made event time. This is interesting. Holly Holm just signed a new deal with the UFC. And I know why. Because she was talking about going out and testing the waters again in boxing. And a fight with her and an Amanda Serrano or Katie Taylor in another promotion would sell. And the UFC is not about to allow Holly Holm to make somebody else money that they think they should be making. So they made her a sweet deal. Here Holly Holm is at 40. And she just got a sweet deal. You know she got a sweet deal because she signed with the UFC again in lieu of going back to boxing and getting a big deal with Misfits or somebody like that. But part of that deal now is to take on Yana Santos, formerly Yana Kunitskaya. I cannot, in good faith, pick Yana Santos because Holly Holm has been in this game long enough and has enough veteran savvy where that she will just pepper this girl from every angle, every range. She will come in close. She will fight at range. She will fight in the middle. But she is going to basically tattoo Yana Santos all over the place and tune her up. I don't think this is going to be a finish. It could be, but Yana's pretty durable and she's an expert at making a fight ugly. So she might do that, but I think Holly Holm will ultimately get the decision here. Mookie agrees.
1: Holly will fight her in a moat. Holly will fight her on a boat. (laughs)
0: Holly will fight her while wearing a coat and riding a goat. See, there
1: you go. See, see, now we're making sense. No, yeah, uh, I I agree 100%. I I am curious, though. I mean, I'm guessing it maybe it's because he asked for like a whole lot more than what Holly Holm would have asked for. But I'm wondering why that logic wouldn't have applied to Francis and Ghana. Like, you know, the whole, well, he's going to leave for boxing, you know, bon voyage. I don't know. I'm curious as to what made Holly like that, that much of a staple to stay. but.
0: Oh, because I she see. was willing to let them lock her down. Francis's big—that's
1: big also point true. Yeah, was yeah. that they
0: wanted to lock him down? He was willing to sign for three fights. That's what he wanted—a yeah. three-fight deal. They were not willing to give him that. They wanted to lock him down for a multi-multi fight deal, like they always do. Like I—I I am guessing that the eight-fight deal that John Jones just signed was probably a similar deal offered to francis and ganu and francis did not want to lock himself down for eight fights or any more than three and that was the sticking point for him
1: hmm. yeah i can see that
0: so how are you going here holly
1: oh good god yes
0: absolutely. Oh, <laughs> i love it like, so no, far-
1: you nailed it though like there's the experience edge and then there's the experience edge like Yana, I'm sorry. I don't see I don't see anything really in her game. And I just I no no, 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 no. Forty it's, years old Holly Holm, like I don't care if she's 40. She's a spry. Yeah, she Forty. She's, she is. Spry 40. she's yeah. a durable 40. Yeah. No, no way.
0: She uh, she is definitely redefining the rules of age in that regard. Definitely. They interestingly have the exact same record, 14 and 6. Yana is ranked number nine. Holly is ranked number six, according to Topology's rankings. I have not been to Fight Matrix or the UFC's official rankings. This fight is taking place at Bantamweight. Our main event, also at Bantamweight, but this time the men. Marlon Vera is taking on Corey Sandhagen, and I love this fight. So many elements to it to consider. You gotta look at how... Very versatile Marlon Vera is, how strong his kicks are, because Corey Sanhagen also has a very good kick game. They both have excellent knees as well flying knees, knees up the middle, both of them. What sets Corey Sanhagen apart, and I've always noted this ever since I first started watching him when he first came into the UFC, was his amazing bodywork. Specifically, He works the left to the body, to the rib cage and the liver area, like nobody's business. And he does it a lot. He goes to that well very frequently during his fights and he puts a lot of damage on that right side. So that is something to consider. But with Marlon, He is in excellent condition. Now he's not always as ripped as every single other person in there, but his conditioning is to be spoken of. He's durable. He can take punches to the middle. He can take kicks to the middle. We've watched that. He can get to the end of a fight, no problem. He's not winded. He's not gassed, whatever. He seems to manage his cardio well. And he seems to grow from fight to fight. He's an opportunist as well. Big time opportunist. You give him the tiniest opening, he's taking it. Frankie Edgar paid the price for that. Mookie is also taking Marlon Vera. I am taking Marlon Vera. Victor, got to hear your Your take on this?
1: I am also taking Marlon Vera, and I think it's got more to do with the fact that for some reason, I think it's it's more the sort of lanky, you know, drop the hand and and pop the punch type thing. The the way that he delivers his punches and tries to go over the top and then tries to mix things up, he does remind me a lot of Max Holloway in some tendencies that he's got, and I. See how well he works behind his jab. I see how well he's able to walk guys down. Got to be tougher to do against Sanhagen, but I think he might be able to do it. I think he takes it.
0: All right. I love it. Mookie is also taking Marlon Vera. So for the first time this year, we are in 100% agreement. And thank Christ, because I am in dead last. I am seven behind Victor, four behind Mookie.
1: (laughs) No, that just means we're all going to get it wrong. I need you to
0: slow the fuck down, Victor. Please.
1: We're all going to get it wrong this week. Relax. It's fine.
0: (laughs) So that's going to end this portion of the show, but we do have some bonus content. So stick around. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.